0: I'm Andrew from Aro Video in Wellington, New Zealand and welcome to episode 15 of Back to the Disc Player the AROvideo Video podcast which is inspired by our Adopt-a-Movie scheme enabling film lovers to purchase an exclusive lifelong affiliation with a title in our library or an acquisition that we may not have It's where I get the privilege to talk to customers about their personal connection to the film or films they've chosen to adopt and for us to find out a little bit about them as well Episode 15 is with Simon Haxton, a central figure in the world of pinball in New Zealand. His fascinating story is one of turning a schoolboy pastime into both an enterprise and a collector's obsession. But Simon is not only a collector operator of pinball machines, he's also a champion player of the game, with many a yarn up his sleeve about those experiences. Uh, and I got to hear but a few. He's also adopted a couple of documentaries on the subject, uh, both additions to our library. Simon and I have a lot in common. We were both born in the same year, I think. We both grew up in the Hutt Valley, and we both landed our first full-time job in the same office, and we have many common records in our respective collections, though his actual collection, I found out later, was much more comprehensive than mine. Simon also works as a support worker in mental health services, and he is a passionate advocate, so much so that he, uh, towards the end of this episode, reveals some insights into his own struggles with mental health, which I found to be moving and inspiring. So he's brave and passionate, but also knowledgeable, articulate, generous and good-humoured. All the things you want in a podcast, guest as a host and as a listener. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with the pinball guy, yeah, Simon Haxton.
1: Burn okay. Lane keeps it in. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, I'm at, I've actually nearly got a replay and I've had ball one. So you, okay. get, you traditionally get three balls, although with the old clangers, the um, earlier games used to give you five. Interestingly, in America, it was always... California, I think traditionally we're five ball, and New York we're three ball. Yeah, um, I think that's true. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we're we kind of used to three ball games, um, mm-hmm. certainly in New Zealand and mm-hmm. Australia. Now this little thing, this pin in between the two flippers at the yeah. bottom, it's a post. It's a post. Yes. So that doesn't go up and down on the table. No, model. it's just no. a fixed post. And I think when they designed the game, they thought it might be a little bit unfriendly. Right. if it didn't have the post there, so... Um, I've always steered clear of pinball machines that had too wide
0: a gap between the <laughs> flippers. Yep. So there's kind of a, a sort of a reassurance about the post.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that hit the post, but it kind of glanced off it, so it didn't actually save the ball. And this, what you hear now, is the bonus count. So I've got four times this bonus, whatever yep. that happened to be. OK. Um, and if I get to 300, you'll hear the knocker go between, some I've got a free game. Is the so that means you've got a free game, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what people usually um, aim for. Now um, I
0: notice you're doing the tilt thing there. Do you call it a tilt? A nudge. A, nudge. a nudge. Okay. You, can, you can nudge the
1: game a little bit. Yep. You know, it kind of gives it a little bit of body movement. Yep. And but if you do it too much, then it will tilt. Yeah. And then it will do what? Shut um, down? It will just shut down. The early games, you lose your whole game, but mm-hmm. this generation, you lose your ball. Okay. But I'm on my last ball, so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If I tilt it. But I've got the high score. Oh, I've got. I have got the high score. So oh, I it, So there's my tool. Right. So the light comes on. Oh wow. And hey, I got the triple knock for the Hi. GC. Congratulations. Which is grand champion. Oh, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, well, the, uh, the, the, the the score before it was was fairly low. So this,
0: there's only one way one way down from the top.
1: But <laughs> well, we call that a triple knock. Triple nice. Locker. When you get the high score. Cool. Um, so yeah, flippers. This is a this is a spinner, a single spinner game. Um, it's got the rotor target, which was quite unique for um, for pinball, and it was quite an expensive unit to manufacture. So they didn't use the rotor target on very many games. Yep. These are called drop targets because they're targets that drop. Mm-hmm. Um, these are slingshots, which are above your flippers, mm-hmm. uh, ball guides, jet bumpers, or actually different manufacturers th- man- Manufacturers called them different things. So mm-hmm. I think for Gottlieb they were pop bumpers, mm-hmm. but Bally and Williams called them jet bumpers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, thumper bumpers, I think, were called mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, these are targets. So yeah. Very good. Well, thank you
0: for that uh, demonstration
1: we got a new high score to beat now. <laughs> um, did,
0: we did mention that there were, that, that, uh, there were certain um, persons associated with the promotion that were exempted from the, the prize. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind paying for my <laughs> Okay, let's have a seat. Hi, Simon. Welcome to Upstairs at Our video Andrew, it's lovely to be here. It's, uh, yeah, it's fantastic, thank you. Excellent, and thank you for um, installing... Uh, an illustrious retro pinball game um, upstairs here that we've got uh, for a limited time. Uh, quite excited to have such a, a lovely bit of furniture. Uh, well, headed.
1: we've been talking about it for quite a while, and mm-hmm. I've been a long-term customer, and I always imagined, because of the um, sort of vibe of your um, video library, and I've always imagined that you, you really deserve a retro kind of game, and I thought a 70s machine Mm. Uh, would be appropriate, and um of course, I had the close encounters machine, mm. which is movie themed and um, yeah and and plus it's reliable i've had I've had this um on site before mm-hmm. for a few years, and it was always performed fine yep. um i've i've I bought it for four hundred bucks actually um on trade me um, two thousand and ten i think mm-hmm. about, about about eight nine years ago, and it was broken like most of them are. And uh, so I was really thrilled. I mean, back back in those days, pinballs were cheaper, mm-hmm. and um, and I did it up, and here it is. Excellent, yeah.
0: So the process of doing up a pinball machine sounds very daunting. Is that something that you you
1: know have um, you, you
0: know you can do that? Pretty easily I'm um, well, um, um, well, that? well I'm self-taught or? yeah
1: um, but i I do know that with the Gottliebs um, there is a guy in France called Pascal Yanin, mm-hmm. and I had dealt with him before and he he does these really lovely, quite um, elegant um, aftermarket circuit boards for right. this generation machine okay. and I had already bought one for my Charlie's angels, which I got one of his really early ones actually mm-hmm. and what and that's always done me well and the, the one that's in this is a more um, swept up version of that. And it just done away with all three original circuit boards, okay. and they've they've con- he's condensed all three boards down to one kind of um, motherboard, and and like I say, it's been so reliable. I've mm. never had any uh, electronic problems. Most mm-hmm. of the problems I've had have been mechanical, mm-hmm. um, and and the mechanical stuff is kind of yeah, you know, it's kind of easy to figure out because seventies sure. seventies engineering was fairly robust mm-hmm. anyway, mm. and. You
0: know, here it is. So this machine is nineteen seventy eight. Seventy eight. Yeah, it's one of yep.
1: the first um, digital machines, um, okay. solid state. We call
0: it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't normally associate digital technology with nineteen seventies technology. Well, all so, the
1: consumer electronics that came out in the late seventies, you know, was shifting away from the more mechanical, yep. um, um, industrial objects, right? Or design. And uh, hmm. yeah, what I do like about it is the licensing. Um, I, I find it quite. Charming how um, back in the seventies, licensing for, for sort of things like motion pictures or celebrities was mm-hmm. very much a handshake deal, mm. and I think there was there was very little money involved, if if any money at all. I'm, I'm, I I kind of got the impression that the film company thought it was good to have their 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 um, uh, title on a pinball machine, and the sure. pinball machine company thought, hey, we get we get recognition mm. from the film. Or the celebrity, so mm. it's, it works for both parties. Sure. The only, the only bit of branding on that machine is the old Columbia logo, yeah. which is on the apron.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I actually listen, so that's more of an acknowledgement in some yeah, ways. Yeah, it is it, because the the, yeah. the the Gottlieb artist Gordon Morrison has done all the artwork, and mm. the typography is nothing like the film poster. Sure. Yeah. So they've taken a lot of liberties. Yep. Yeah. Um, but they've 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 um, used the imagery such as the alien and the mountain and. And the big ship landing over the people yeah. expecting the arrival of the ship. Sure, sure. They've used that, but they've they've done it in their own way, which yeah. is which is cool.
0: And I did notice that the musical motif, the famous one from Close Encounters, is also missing from it, yeah. which is something that you would expect on a if, machine like if that. If
1: the board, if the board set could have allowed for it in 1978, they would have used it. Right. In yeah. fact, it would have only been one year later yeah. that they could have put that so the, that that that, that um, signature tune. Into the technology. Mm. So even though
0: there was digital technology in there, it still wasn't sophisticated enough to sort of do a, a six-note really, sequence. It
1: really just replicated the, the, the old bells that yeah. that used to... So these, these are electronic chimes, sure. which is just a replacement for the bells. Yeah. Thing, I think it's a three-chime, yeah. three-chime um, tones, three right. tones. Right, right, sure. Yeah. So you've... Uh, this is
0: one of... Quite a few uh, machines that you have because you, you're, you know, it's one of the, the things that you do professionally is install pinball <coughs> machines around town. And so I take it you've got quite a collection.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I have been collecting for a long time. Um, uh, in '91, I bought my first machine, which was an old uh, 1960s game, which I still own today. Mm-hmm. And, but I wasn't commercially involved at that point. Um, I got commercially involved in '93. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought my second machine, which was brand new right um, because I was pumping a lot of game a lot of money into games around town, and I decided I might um you know uh, explore the idea Have some of, money coming the other way yeah exactly yeah, yeah that's right well i you know uh it's actually if you want to hear about the moment that I decided to operate pinball, it's mm-hmm. quite a funny story mm-hmm, of course because I was at home sick one day on sick leave, I used to work. I was a photographer for a newspaper company mm-hmm. and I was at home sick. It was 1992 and I was living in my flat in Rental Street and I thought, hey, hang on, I'm pumping money into these machines. Why don't I own a machine? Why don't I you know, put it out there and let other people put money in my machine? Mm-hmm. So I thought there's going to be a bit of resistance to that, a bit of commercial resistance because um, the person who will sell me the machine is also an operator. Yeah. So I become his competitor. Sure. And I got out the phone book. And I rang up space tech coin in lower Hutt and I spoke to a chap called Mike Dereuter and I said, hey um, if I was to buy a pinball machine from you yeah, how much would it cost and would you mind if I like put it in a bar and he goes no 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 that's that's wonderful that's good and I said yeah but I' become a, a competitor and he mm. goes oh we have an obligation as the distributor okay. to provide a product right as well as to, to kind of support you alongside our right. our yeah. Um, operation yeah and mm. so that Put the seed in my head. Yeah, I spent the next um, probably almost a year trying to scrape together the seven and a half thousand dollars mm. that I needed to buy a new pimple machine. Sure. and that was a funny conversation with my mum and dad because mm-hmm. um, I, I borrowed <laughs> I, I borrowed have, like fifteen hundred off there. I've had I'm, one of those. <laughs> you want to buy what? <laughs> um, and so, but I, I got there and I and I did a lot of freelance jobs. You know, like sports teams and bread and butter stuff, as far as photography goes. Yeah, and I managed to sort of um, generate enough money within, I don't know, a year. I and mean, when you're not earning much, um, that that well, I, I thought I did okay mm,
0: off one machine.
1: For one machine. What was me. the machine? The machine was Whitewater. Okay. And I had, I thought, but the, the 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 thing for me, I decided if I found a location first, if I got someone to agree to take it. Then I would I would pull the trigger on it, and I found Mel's diner in Berriampore, and, mm-hmm. and I used to go there for dinner and for drinks. And Mel said, "I said, hey Mel, would you want a pinball machine in here?" Mm. And she said, "Oh yeah, that works. Mm. It works down at Midnight Espresso." Well, it we'll sounds try- like
0: a scene out of um, Happy Days. <laughs> Um We used to go to Mel's diner. You know the place. I do know the place, but no, it wasn't really in my neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was
1: a cool little spot, yeah. and it had its it definitely had its regulars. Yeah. Not about uh, Ralph and Potsy. But, um, <laughs> certainly had its regulars, and um so there I had it. I had a location. Mm. I had a um, plan. I had seven and a half thousand, mm. <laughs> and yeah. I went and bought one, and I, yeah. I took it home and. <clears throat> shoved it into the diner And it lasted about three weeks And then they said get rid of it <laughs> Really? What happened? <laughs> I was too noisy They had a hard tile floor right. And of course the patrons were sitting there Trying to have their dinner okay. And if you know anything about white water There's this guy called Bigfoot And he keeps <laughs> yelling and screaming And you know <laughs> Water people right. going down waterfalls and stuff. Sure, sure. It's sure. a very,
0: it's a very howly kind of game. Excellent. So I'm glad that experience uh, that that informed your decision to put a nice quiet machine. Yes, a close and you don't want machine, a big foot up here, do you? up here. Stomping it's around. Very discreet and, <laughs> um, and tasteful, but but still alluring. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, you've so quiet. you've developed that um, that art of matching location with with machine.
1: I think so, and yeah. I'm very I'm very particular about where I put machines. Um, I, I mm. always have been. I've never gone for burger bars and fish and chip shops. Mm. I, I'm, I'm looking for people who are deliberate about playing pinball and uh, people who go with the intention of playing pinball, mm. not the intention to buy a burger, and they might grab their coin while they wait. Right, 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 right. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I
0: don't want a lot mm. of
1: sites. I just want the right sites. Sure. Yeah.
0: So speaking of playing pinball, you, you, you've just described you've played a lot of pinball in your time, and um, you've gotten good enough to... Um, enter into national and even global competitions. I believe you were in Australia a couple
1: of weeks ago at a we South had, Pacific competition. <clears or> that was the Southern Hemisphere Pinball Championships. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, the pinball pinball's been a thing. Um, yeah, pinball's been a thing, but the competition circuit has really rocketed up since about 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the last five years, there's 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 a thing called the IFPA, which is the international flipper pinball association uh-huh. and they have kind of spearheaded a global um, focus on tournaments mm. so people can have their players rankings globally you know you, yeah. you can be ranked globally yeah. and of course all the countries are broken down and everyone's ranked by country okay. as well yeah. and so I've been kind of getting involved in that and it's, it's quite, exciting. Um, quite exciting I went to Sydney for the Southern Hemisphere Pimble Championships, and I had a grueling uh, 4 a.m. start to get the 5 a.m. get to the airport by five, and the 7 a.m. flight, and mm. and by the time I uh, got to the end of the comp that night, much to my amazement, I came first. Wow! Even though I was, even though I was, um, mm. I don't know what I was operating on, but yeah. I, I did quite well. Yeah. I actually remember getting tired about 7 or 8 p.m. Hmm. And I was almost going to peg out, and then I got my second wind. because mm-hmm. in New Zealand time, I didn't finish till three a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was one a.m. Um, Australia. Does that mean you're officially
0: Southern Hemisphere champion? No, that
1: was there was just one event because right. there's there's usually like three or four events packaged into one weekend. Right. And it was the flip what they called the flip frenzy, which was kind of like yep. a fun event. Okay. And it's kind of an icebreaker event because it's a Friday night and everyone's yep. just arrived. But the main event, I didn't even qualify. I right. was like out of there. Was eighty? There was eighty-five people in the yep. tournament, and I think I had to make the cut line of the top um, thirty-two. Right, and um, I was down fifty. Was I was down like fiftieth? Yep. Didn't even qualify for the finals. Right, Which does that, that affect like, your global ranking? No, it just means I got no points for that one particular comp. But I got 37 points for the Flip Frenzy. Right. <laughs> and 37 yeah. points is quite mm-hmm. um, is, is quite a bag, yeah. so that's good. So what is your global oh, rank? About 300, 300 in the world. Yeah. And
0: third in New Zealand. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Um, so uh, any aspirations to, to, to climb higher than third?
1: Well, numbers one and two um, are fairly uh, concreted into their... <laughs> Uh, positions, and interestingly, they're they're a father-daughter team. Oh, really? And um, Dave Peck, who always has been number one for a long, long time. Not always, but for a long, long time. Right. Used to be, before him it was a guy called Paul. Yeah. But uh, he's just lost his number one spot to his daughter, who is now 17. Uh, Wow, that's impressive. She started playing years and years ago, but she's actually the number one woman in the world. I was going to say, because of
0: my cursory knowledge of... The, uh, the the industry I mean uh, having watched a couple of uh, very good documentaries um, the uh, there don't seem to be too many females in the in the competitive game
1: it's definitely a sausage fest but um, <laughs> there are more women getting into pinball now and it's fantastic mm. and um, there's a movement called the bells and chimes mm. which is a, 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 a woman's um, a pinball kind of a, a, Group, yeah. Um, you know, like you know, people people become a, a bell, and um, I guess that's it's encouraging a gender balance. I think between men and women, um, and I think that's really, really, really great. Hmm. Um, it's 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 awesome to see um, a yeah, woman alongside men, hmm. um, in more in more numbers now. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, excellent. Um, so, you bought your first machine ninety one. And then we went commercial in '93. So what 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 was what gave you the pinball bug? Well, you know, before the, that, well, I've been
1: playing I've been playing pinball since I was a kid. Mm. Um, my brother used to be an amusement tech uh, for a, I think it was Advanced Automatics and Lower Hunt. Mm, I remember that company. And they mm. set up the Silver Ball Palace. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, and wow. my brother was a tech, and he used. It's funny because he used to. In those days, it was the pinball. Yeah, Pinball was there, but mostly they were just... The video games were was beginning to boom, like Space Invaders, mm. 1978. Mm-hmm. 1979 was Asteroids, and these games were really popular. Mm. And he used to drive over to the in his in his Toyota Corolla station wagon... And he'd empty all the space invader machines with 20 twenty cent coins, mm. and sometimes he had so many twenty cent coins he could hardly scarcely get the Corolla back over the River wow. to get back into into the Lower Hut to bank it all, yeah. or I, to give it to, us, it give it to leave it. But he used to sometimes yeah. bring a video game home um, <clears throat> overnight in, yep. in the in our suburban Upper Hut house, yeah. and it used to interfere with the television. My parents used to go bananas, mm. um, but I'd put up like or something in the hall, and I'd be. Tapping away on the, the machine all night. Mm. Uh, but he, he when so when they opened Silverball Palace, um, I think his boss was called Ralph Tigel. Mm-hmm. He I think imported a lot of containers from Japan of of all this amazing stock, um, dedicated stock that we didn't really see in New Zealand mm. because New Zealand was generally building our own cabinets. And they had two floors. You remember that, yeah. The arcade yeah. So this was my local. Yeah. Uh, and
0: I used to wag school um, reasonably often to go and and play at the Silver Ball Palace. Right. So quite a few of those twenty cent pieces might have been mine. Um, <laughs> but I was never, you know, I was a I was a, a rookie or whatever, you know, a lay a lay person, you know, never any good. Um, yeah. And um, but that was an impressive. Enterprise the silver ball palace because, as you say, it was double story, yeah. And somebody had put a lot of money, a lot oh, of yes. investment into yeah, it, definitely. so it was like something that Lower Hut had never seen before. It's a
1: shame it only lasted three years 81 to 84,
0: possibly overcapitalized.
1: Yeah, no, it. Yeah. it I the pindles are all upstairs except for Black Knight, Xenon, and Hercules. Remember oh. Hercules, the huge, big Atari. That like was like it's mm. like it's a giant pinball. It's about as big as a car. Right. You know, yeah, it's can't like, remember. It was by the door when you walked in. Mm. Um, but of, actually, it's, it's it's funny that you mentioned. Well, I mentioned Silverball Palace. I've got most of those machines, mm. not maybe not the very same games. Right. But Some of them might be. Yeah, sure. But I've been kind of picking up titles here and there. Mm. You know, for a long time, and I've picked up a lot of the lineup that was at Silverball Palace. Mm. Now,
0: mm,
1: mm, mm, mm. Um, but you're an
0: upper hut boy. I am an Upper you, yeah, so up, Yeah, so you upper. were... Um, wasn't there something called the Crystal Palace? Oh, the Caesar's Palace. Caesar's Palace. Everything's a palace. It is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess they were palaces. But I was just
0: thinking the Silver Ball Palace, of course, is, is something of... A, even though it had those, as you say, Space Invaders and Pac-Man, of yeah. course the Silver Ball is kind of the...
1: I know. Is, well, is, the, is the pinball itself. It, it, well, it, it has... It kind of conjures an, an, uh, an imagery... Probably um, brought about from Tommy, you know, the Who, yep. 75, of course rock opera, yep. which I'm sure is a big a big uh, rental um, it's title pretty, here. It's pretty steady. <laughs> um, in fact, can I just tell you a little funny little irony thing, a little mm-hmm. tidbit about Tommy. Most pinballers hate Tommy. Right. Most pinballers hate Tommy sure. because, for one thing, there's only three pinball scenes in the movie. That's true. The one where he discovers the machine in the junkyard. The second one, which is the famous one with Elton John, mm-hmm. with the pinball wizards' playoff. Mm-hmm. And then, tragically, the end of the movie, there's another pinball scene, but they, 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 his, his followers re- revolt and they smash them all. So yeah. from a pinballer's point of view, it's kind of heartbreaking.
0: It is. But from a Ken Russell fan's point of view, it's, it's marvellous.
1: Yeah. And, and a Who, well, I love the film, a who I
0: fan see. might even yeah. approve.
1: Yeah. I kind of prefer Quadrophenia, to be honest. It's true.
0: Be. But having said that, doesn't have Anne Margaret in a, in a tin of baked sure. beans, does it?
1: That's no. a good point. That's yeah, a good very point. Very large tin and, of baked and beans. And other little little nugget of information. Uh, the Who was the first license for a pinball in 1975 when right. they did the, the game Wizard. Okay. And Bally was really fronting the, the licensing stuff in the 70s. Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, but I think you, what you were saying before about the licensing not being... Uh, being a, a handshake between the movie studios and the <clears throat> manufacturers of mm. pinball, mm. it does have it does lend the '70s machines a quaintness it that does. the later machines don't yeah. have, which seem more sort of corporate
1: in their definitely, uh, design, definitely more more tightly yeah. controlled, yeah. and then more money involved. Yeah.
0: Do you have a Cap- Captain Fantastic
1: machine, uh, uh, Elton Dave's, John? Dave's got one in Auckland. Yeah. He's got it. I think it's next to his wizard. Yeah. Because um,
0: that occurred to me with the, the Tommy you just mentioning Elton John, and that's why he was put onto the pinball, presumably yeah, because yeah. of that connection. Yeah.
1: Hey, um, it's interesting. Captain Fantastic often comes in, up in competitions, yeah. uh, but I've never really seen a wizard come up in competition. Okay. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe right. the wizard's a bit more random. yeah um, mm. But I prefer Wizard. But okay. Captain Fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't have one. But only—that's the only mm-hmm. one. The one that Dave Scott's the only one in New Zealand, I think, mm-hmm. that I know of.
0: Are there sought-after titles you oh, know, yeah. that, you, that you're really after that you would love to get your hands uh, on as a collector?
1: Uh, I've ticked off some. Of, <laughs> I've ticked off most of my list. <laughs> um, there is a couple. There's one that I missed out on that was languishing in a shed in Taupo. Okay. And yeah. that's another funny story. So it would have been the mid-90s. I made a road trip to Taupo. Knocked on the the door of an old Dutch operator called Yopi. Yeah. I'd actually, I phoned ahead, you know, I didn't just mm. doorstep him. Yeah. And he said he agreed on the phone to sell me some stuff, not knowing what he had. Knocked on his door. I got him in a foul mood. He said, oh, what are you doing here? And I said, well, you, you said I could have a look at your you now. I've driven from Wellington to Taupo. <laughs> well... You can take your pick from one of those bingo machines over there. The bingo machines are more like gambling games. Mm-hmm. They're, horror- they're pretty dreadful, but they're kind yeah. of in a pinball format. Yep. I said, well, that's not kind of what I'm after. Well, I'm not, I'm not interested in selling anything else. <laughs> so I took the best bingo game, came back to Wellington, and about a year later, or maybe a year and a half later, the, 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 the guys from Auckland got in there, right. and they dug through all the good stuff, Right, and they got the gold and, and one of my um, associ- acquaintance's a guy called Phil walked mm-hmm. away with a defender pinball right Now defender was a huge video game title right, and Williams decided hey let 's translate the rules into a pinball body, and they only made two hundred and seventy of them, I think very rare in the grand scheme of things. Mm. And there was one in that shed, and Phil's got it now, and it's still in pieces. Mm. And that was ninety-five or something. Okay, you'd think you'd get it together. So at okay. some point, don't you? But well, if you had it, you would have. I would have got would it have, working by you would now. Have got <laughs> working, right? Yeah, sure. But yeah, I mean, apart from the apart from the Defender pinball, um, I played the mm. one in Sydney. There's one in Sydney that I play, mm. um, and it doesn't turn up anywhere. Mm. You don't mm. see it. Mm. So rare.
0: So have you got a lot of these things in storage or, or on on site? Like you've got one here. Um, I have, to be have some fairly, in disrepair as well. well.
1: I have to be fairly creative because um, I've got some at home and I, I lend a lot out to friends because um, mm. it seems to me that um, people like pinball. Um, if, they, if I think, well, there's a good fit with that machine and that person and they want to enjoy it and it's in mm. a nice, safe, dry home environment, it's getting light play, you know, I yeah, don't want yeah. it to get caned. Sure. But if it's getting light play, then that's kind of an ideal mm. because the machine, all machines like to be used. Uh-huh. and um, and and it can be enjoyed mm. and then that solves the storage mm. problem for me mm. but i only have about 15 with friends um, sure. but yeah. um i've got yeah i've got them sort of scattered around mm-hmm. you, you've got to be a bit creative mm-hmm. with the storage you had them in the ideal location up until
0: recently which was the photon flux sci-fi bar um which which recently um had to close um yeah. with a very Sad and uh, unfortunate circumstances. So that place was like being inside a a pinball machine itself.
1: Yeah, that was quite a Um, spectacle to be to go into that bar. I actually Mm. heard about that bar about a, a week or two after it opened, and I was talking to a guy at Death Ray Records who helped with the fit out. He was in a band called. Tigers of the Sea, mm-hmm. forget his name but um, he was a friend, a good friend of Uppers who owns Death Ray yeah. and I was in there because I'm a big record collector as well and I was in the shop and he was talking about he said, oh you're the pinball guy oh I've just been helping fit out this science fiction bar, man if anyone needs a pinball they do, Yeah. so he gave me the number and I rang ahead because I do like to ring the proprietor if I can, I said hey I am I do this pinball thing, are you interested and then so Anton said yeah come in And that first meeting with Anton was fantastic. We just sort of gelled, talked about Back to the Future and his fascination with the movie, his love for the movie. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you want to try a pinball? Mm -hmm. And so he goes, well, what have you got? And I said, well, I could give you this Star Trek game, which Mm -hmm. fits your um, theming. Thematically, it's perfect. Mm. He said, yeah, 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 give it a try. And, And I go into this always on a very kind of casual basis. I just say, well you know, try it out if it works, if you like it, then that's cool, you know, there's nothing difficult about it. So I put it in, I put the Star Trek in the bar, and I put it Mm -hmm. where I thought it, yeah, was really good, and we talked about it, and we thought, oh, that's a great spot, you know, you know, you sort of pride of place. You know, I went back like a few days later, he flipped it around backwards, so that when you walk in the bar, you saw the back of the machine, you didn't see any lights or anything, and I thought, why has he done that? Yeah. (laughs) And, um... And he said, oh, it's too garish, it's too bright. I'm, you know, I'm very particular with my lighting. And I've yeah, got He this... was very particular with his lighting. I've yeah. got this ambience <laughs> happening. And, and that Star Trek, all those LEDs, they're like, wow. Hmm. So people had to walk around the game and they, they played with their back to the wall, kind of, you know. Yeah. And um, so that was all very well and that's where it stayed. But I think Anton noticed that people were coming back again and again and again mm-hmm. because that was the only Star Trek in Wellington. Mm. And people love the game mm. and so they return and that's what I always aim for is to people for repeat players um so then he said to me we're going to be sponsoring the summer star trek in the ro park and have you got any other star treks and I said well I've got the next gen and he goes oh bring it in bring it in and we'll put the two together mm. and then the two went to three and, and mm. you know it was well, it was a great spot for pinball oh. because they really um encouraged they well, they loved they loved the concept of pinball; it mm. suited them perfectly, yeah. and they were very passionate and and, and um, creative mm. with what they were doing. Mm. So, yeah, it is a tragedy they closed. Mm. Mm. Um,
0: but I mean, and I know that uh, they've been <clears throat> fundraising to to recoup some of the losses because sure. you know of the of the terrible circumstances under which they had to close. And uh, and I know that you're doing something—an event next Saturday night as a fundraiser for That's them. Right. so just so tell Saturday, us a bit about that. the
1: twenty twenty ninth of June. Hmm. Um, well, it's the party that we were supposed to have. I think three days, four days after they did, were closed suddenly. We'd had, we'd done all the 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 promo. You know, we'd talked about it. We'd we'd arranged it. We're going to have this party. We're actually going to launch an exhibition as well Mm. on pinball ephemera from the 80s. Yeah. So it was all 1980s-themed event. And um, I said to Anton and Nina, I said, hey, well, let's still have the event. We'll just find somewhere else to have it. It did take some time to get... um, A booking at the venue that I wanted to do it at, which Mm -hmm. was Third Eye. Sure. Because I did have some pinballs there for a while and I had a relationship with Third Mm -hmm. Eye. So when I went to them and said, hey, you know, you know about the photon flux saga, and they were really keen to help. And he said, look, what can we do for you? And he said, well, can we do this party? And um, he's been great and they're they're offering everyone a free drink that Mm -hmm. comes. So it's $25 ticket sales. It's all 80s themed. And because Anton loves Back to the Future so much, I've got mm. the Back to the Future pinball that I've had to borrow off a friend. Right. And he's, he's very, generous, very generously lent it. So we're going to have the Back to the Future pinball, and I'm only going to play records from 1985, mm-hmm. which in itself mm. sets mm. A, mm. an interesting challenge because... If you you know 1985 mm-hmm. music, maybe yep. there's stuff that you love from '85, <laughs> but it was a very sketchy it um, was era it of music. Was. Yeah, 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: And and that's mm. the discipline I've gone for. But I'm actually I've 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 just um, recently enlisted my flatmate mm. to, to co DJ because um, mm. he he loves DJing as mm. well. He's DJ Ledge. Right,
0: sure. And, and we're going to share the decks. Well, I have to say about 1985, I think every time I went into Photon Flux, they were always playing Billy Idol. Just White after, Wedding? I think it was Hot in the City. Hot in the City. Oh, yeah. hot. <laughs> so that's I'm sure, is going to figure on the playlist. a playlist
1: of really obscure 80s stuff, that right, nice. I never heard, didn't hear it much. Nice,
0: yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, so you are, um, speaking of music, you actually... Um, You do a a DJ thing. In fact, I... Well, we've had a few connections over the years. Mm. Uh, And uh, I think the the first connection we had was when we were both school leavers and we worked in the same office at an insurance company. So ironic. Yes. So So we met each other when we were about, um, you know, 17 years old or so. Mm -hmm. And um, that was... um, uh, that was. Are we allowed
1: to say the business that we? Yeah, uh, well, A.M.P. Insurance. Society. Was. Yes, society. Yes, for right. the Society. Yes, yes, yes,
0: and we were both rater
1: coders, weren't we? <laughs> were you a rater coder? I was a rater coder. Yeah. yeah well, sure. I was actually in the accounts receivable um, right. section. Yeah. And your old your mate, your mate Phil Pelleton was the yes. man who taught, yep. taught me the ropes. Yes. He, I think he was leaving. Yeah. And I took his his desk. Right. It, sure. And he mm. he he um, inducted me, took yes. me through the rater coder process. <laughs> um, which was, it was quite hilarious. We, we laugh about it now, but at the yep. time it was a very serious yep. business. Yeah,
0: I think for listeners we need to explain exactly what this... Well, um, do you want to explain? Or well, so me? the Rater Coder is really somebody who f- transcribes uh, customer um, insurance policies uh, into a format which can then be keyed into the computer system. So really what it is is transposing the, the client's handwriting into filling out boxes. Right. It was like a grid. It was a grid. grid.
1: Yeah. A grid of squares. <laughs> Much like those those evangelists used to do, A Man is More, where they fill in the little squares and right. says God is love or something. Yeah, sure. But anyway, yeah. mm. <laughs> fill in these... Squares and then it would go off to this typing pool right. or this room that we never saw. Yeah, and I always imagined it to be something like out of a Terry Gilliam movie with yeah. these massive big old industrial typewriters and very much and, and rows of mm. women, rows of, 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 yeah. of and middle this is the woman.
0: late 80s You would think that it sounds like the 50s, doesn't it? But this this was mid 80s, mid-80s. No, mid-80s, early, mid-80s, early 80s, 80, early 84, 80s, 84,
1: 84. Yeah, 83. Even. And we all had a microfish reader on our desks. Right. We didn't have this is pre-computing. Um, yeah. In fact, I remember when the first computer arrived. Right. And my, the guy who sat next to me used to call it the computer, and he said, and we took turns on the computer. <laughs> uh, but, okay, we, won't but name we names. had we had um, microfish readers, and I used to enjoy yeah. getting the, the fresh packet every week, and and I'd I'd, I'd slip in one of the microfish, which right. had every every flipping policy on it yeah. for every client, and I'd look for my changes that I'd made yeah, the week sure. before. <laughs> to, to
0: give you that little, uh, little bit of satisfaction. Job, 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 it's job called satisfaction. job satisfaction. That's right, That's right. exactly. That you, um, you made a difference.
1: But because I was accounts receivable, I had a little ring binder that Phil gave me. Right. You see now in here is an A to Z of these tiny little... Um, receipts you know Mm. maybe 825 or 1537 now you have to match up these receipts with the exact amount on a Mm. policy but Mm. we're not quite sure where they go so when you we've i've been carrying these over from month to month to month yeah and if you can get rid of one of these old ones that'll be great
0: it's super productive stuff (laughs) it was kind of like um yeah the old the old public service gliding on but actually in the it was very much but like that. We, we all managed to get jobs like that when we left school. There was, it was a big there, social there,
1: club as well. Yeah,
0: but but you either went to a bank or an insurance company when you left school if you didn't go to university. Is that how you saw it? Did you go directly from school? School, to,
1: yeah, school. Yeah, to, yeah. I remember looking for the job, I just spent a day door knocking around Wellington. Right. And I just went and knocked on doors because everyone had a personnel department. Right, sure. And you just go and <clears> walk <throat> in and get a job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> then were the days. Um, anyway, the reason why you're allowed to be on this podcast, Simon, is because you've adopted a movie. Mm-hmm. And um, and in your case, you've actually donated a movie. In fact, you donated two movies. And they are both on the subject of pinball.
1: Okay, how did you and guess? Here, here we, we, <laughs> and so
0: we come back around. And uh, so I wanted to talk about those because I have to say I, I really enjoyed them. Um, they were uh, very different uh, Beasts. Uh, the first one is called Special When Lit, and it's it's quite a uh, a slick and uh, appropriately dazzling documentary about pinball culture, about the history of pinball. Um, it uses a lot of uh, rare archive footage. It uh, it has uh, very slick graphics, mm. and it also. Um, uh, has a cast of uh, a, a diverse number of characters from mm. the industry, mm. um, designers, um, uh, champions, uh, you know, enthusiasts, etc. So, all the usual subject uh, suspects, but and uh, you know, a, a bigger cross section of people than I expected. So, I was quite uh, blown away by the kind of the. Um, the the range the wide range of um, I think perspectives the, that the, the that the
1: film brought the filmmaker definitely he definitely focused on the more eccentric characters in mm-hmm. the hobby like they're, they're mm-hmm. obviously with any hobby you have a whole range of of people that are involved and he kind of highlighted the ones that were that were a little bit crazy or a little bit sure a little bit quirky in some yeah. way and yeah. but that can make for really good viewing um, yeah. a little bit like the King of Kong I mm-hmm. thought when I watched the King of Kong which is about a video game um, Donkey Kong competition mm. that it might have been a mockumentary because the characters were so kind of outlandish.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's that's,
1: that's quite accurate.
0: Yeah, that's true. I, I would have to say, though, as somebody coming to it a bit, but uh, you know, with no particular expectations, was that I thought that there was there, there was balance there. So, yeah. yes, there were a couple of people who mm. were... Maybe were there to kind of um, you know titillate the audience in terms of you know getting some laughs, right. but I thought that there were also poignant stories. There was oh, the guy uh, yeah. from the. Um uh, the famous New York Arcade. What was the name of that arcade? Um,
1: Bro- uh, Broadway Arcade. Broadway
0: Arcade. Yeah, so yeah. that was a guy who'd spent three decades in the business. And, it was Steve and I, Epstein. Steve Epstein. Yeah, yeah. Now, he was a guy that I clearly sort of related to. He was a guy who'd, who'd been disrupted by, by the changes in technology, and I kind of, you know, he gave a... He was... was uh, Uh, very sincere in his kind of account of those wonder years as Mm. he saw them. So that that was great. There was, um, yes, there were the eccentric collectors, Mm. you know, that Mm. are fascinating. There was a guy from France who had an incredible collection of, um, you know, Older uh, games, very you know, from the yeah, '30s, yeah, and yeah. Uh, that was an incredible pinball museum.
1: That's the yeah, that was the Paris Pinball Museum, which yeah. I did get to visit uh, two years ago, mm. which was cool. Um, mm. His name is Raphael uh, Lankar, I think, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I was I was over for the World Championships in Copenhagen, and I'd, mm. um, I've only done two World Championships, but one was in um, one was last year in Toronto, and the one year before that was Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. I usually come last, by the way, but. Um, <laughs> It is the world's, after all. Right, right. But anyway, I stopped in at Paris to go to the Pinball Museum, and um, I was staying there because I like to make a bit of a holiday around it. And he was really gracious because he only usually opens on Saturday and Sunday, but he did open for me on a Monday because I said, I'm just here on Monday, and I'd like to come and look. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. He's got mostly 1930s, 40s, and 50s machines, Mm. which... If, you know, if, well, as any antique goes, especially for pinball, they're quite rare mm. and um, delicate mm. machines. Yeah. But he's
0: restored them beautifully. A lot of them seem to be made out of wood. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah they're, 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 they're made out of, yeah. like,
1: American oak. Right, it's, sure. It's, even though it's <coughs> a European collection, they're mostly American machines. Mm. Because the Europeans, although they did have some industry-making machines, they always saw it as an American kind of icon. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was. No, um, Raphael was quite funny because he was a very lovely chap, and, and he said to me, "Well, what, what machine do you have?" And I said, "Well, I have a crossword, which is from 1959." And he says, "Come with me, come with me," and he took me to his crossword machine, and he took a photo of me with his crossword machine because I had the same machine. Oh, yeah. And and then he, then I went from room to room playing these games, and he, you know, because I was conscious that he'd opened up for me, I thought, "Well, I don't want to be here too long." And I said, "Raphael, are you okay? You were okay in the office there." And he goes, you could be here for hours. And so I said, oh, good, all right. I'll keep, keep moving from room to room then. And I was, just went into another room and started playing the games. And you then, must have been in hog heaven. It was Well, it was these are games that I've never, ever seen or had the opportunity to play before. And yeah. I'm, I'm not expecting to play them all because we're talking about hundreds of games. <laughs> right. But anyway, he came back a few minutes later. He goes, what are you doing? Why are you still here? And I said, oh, yeah, I thought you said I could stay. And he goes, I said, if, if you don't leave now, you could be here for hours. <laughs> so I said, "Well, I better go." You know, yeah. That's my cue to go. Mm. But it was wonderful experience. Yeah, and it was it was in a sort of a sketchy part of Paris. It was up yeah. near the market. Yeah, um, but no, it was cool. Right, oh, very good.
0: Um, I guess other other things that came to mind in, in the doco were um, uh, there would you know again me not knowing too much about uh, the, the the history of it. Um, there were some <clears throat> some big bangs in the development of the machine and. Um, so I think that uh, there used to be, you know, I think originally Bagatelle was the the, na- the name of,
1: you know... The very the early... very early sort, sort of 1700s, of pre- you kind know. Kind of the predecessor to yeah. Pimble, but I don't, I don't actually mm. see much of a link.
0: No, that we was been, more a kind of a game for the aristocracy back in the 1700s. Yeah, I
1: like kind of liken that more to be like snooker, right. because they use cues and stuff. Yeah, um, but they had the pins. There was the pins. There were yeah. definitely the pins. Yeah, which
0: is... I mean, when we so say pins, a, we actually mean... Like nails, yes, you know, and yes. which which surround a hole, sure. and then capture and sure navigate the, the the random
1: sure ball. They they were kind of countertop games in those yep. days, but that's you're getting kind of that's kind of more the 1920s, 1930s. Yeah, they were countertop games with right. with, with with pins and a board and a marble that you would plunge right. out and it would just roll into a yep. a cradle of pins. Yep. Um, but then, of course, as uh, electricity became more um, available and in, in the, in they, they became more elaborate mm. in the 1930s. And you've got to remember there was a depression and so there, 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 were, there, were, there were penny arcades where people could entertain themselves for a penny yeah. and hopefully win a free game, you know? Yeah. So they've always been kind of... Um, I th- I believe pinball's always been a cheap form of
0: entertainment. Mm-hmm. In fact, though the co- the coin operator didn't actually come into the 30s. Yes. So um so that was uh but the sort of industrialization of, yeah, that, sure. of that hobby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and another significant development was the flipper. Uh, the flippers were not introduced until 1947.
1: Mostly before pre-47 the ball used to bang around and then just kind of Mm. End up down the bottom of the machine. Sure, there was no actual way of delivering the game, but uh, the ball back up. Yep, the table. So it was all luck and no skill. Well, you could nudge the game a little bit and try and get a bounce off off this rubber okay. and off that post, but um, yep. essentially it was more luck. But the flipper was invented quite accidentally when an engineer had sort of shorted two wires together, and, and the, the the device energized and locked and locked on. Right. And he said, "Hey, hey, hey, <laughs> I can use this if we can actually make this controllable." Yeah. And that's how the flipper was yeah, invented. Yeah, that's quite nice. Yeah. Nineteen mm. forty-seven. Yeah. You 1947. yeah. yeah on, on a game called Humpty Dumpty.
0: Right. Mm. Now another very interesting piece of um, uh, history regarding pinball is that the machine was banned in many states of America mm-hmm. at this time so from about the early 1940s so uh, you know just after the depression through to as late as 1976 right and i found that astonishing that right. uh, that that for 3 decades particularly in a country which was um, manufacturing most of them mm. um, and uh, it's they were banned because of the, their association well, with the, gambling or with truancy through, or through juvenile. The, Pro- the
1: prohibition era and yeah. um of course mafia there, there was definitely was mafia influence because they were kind of associated with gambling and racketeering and mm. and mafia were kind of they were obviously owning um quantities of machines and putting them in locations and mm. so forth there was a definitely an underworld connection there mm. and i think there's la LaGuardia... Uh, the, the mayor of New York made mm-hmm. quite a uh, campaign around stomping out crime, Right. and he would seize uh, many, many uh, pinball machines of the 40s. This he is... was the
0: Rudy Giuliano of his day.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> indeed. Well, he was publicly smashing them with sledgehammers, and then they yeah. were pushing them into the... Um, yeah, he had a special task force d- into the river.
0: destroying pinball <laughs> yeah. machines, True. Um, which is quite astonishing.
1: Um, Thank goodness he retired.
0: Indeed, <laughs> um, but in 1976, when there was a true uh, renaissance, I suppose would it be in the in the 70s That's when um, pinball came back well, into its own when it became. It,
1: you say that it was legal; up, it was Ill- illegal up until 76. It's interesting because I kind of see that it was sort of an unenforced law, mm-hmm. and pinballs had kind of become accepted mm. as a form of entertainment, and they were in laundromats and drugstores and um, mm. you know, places around America. Um, but yes, you're right. In 196 was it 60 76? Did you say? Yeah. So a, a man called Roger Sharp, who um, has been involved with pinball all his life, and now his sons Zach and Josh are the ones that run the IFPA okay. um, leaderboard that I mentioned. Um, he, yeah, he 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 demonstrated in a courtroom um, that pinball was not a game of chance; it was mm. a game of skill. All right. And they actually set up two pinball machines in the courtroom, and he got up to do his demonstration. He walked over to this pimple machine. The judge went, ah, hang on, hang on, not that one, that one, and he pointed to the other one right. because he thought there might be this might be rigged right. in some way. So Roger kind of, oh, stopped, ambled over to the other one. Right. They gathered around the pinball table. Sure. Roger Sharp pushed start, and then he said, right, I'm going to pull the plunger, and I'm gonna, the ball's going to bounce off that rubber, and it's going to go down the middle lane. Right. And it's kind of a little bit miraculous miraculous that it did it because he, said mm. he pulled the plunge and it did exactly what he was going to say. Sure. And then he said, now I'm going to make this. I'm going to catch the ball and I'm going to cradle it. I'm going to send it into the spinner or something like that. Mm. And he might have made <clears> one <another throat> shot. And then the judge went, I've seen the top. I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Pinball is legal.
0: <laughs> it does sound like the climax of a Hollywood biopic. <laughs> I can just imagine Tom Hanks or somebody in that. Well, Tom no, Hanks, if it. he
1: was going to play Roger Sharp, he'd need to have a gigantic moustache. Because Roger Sharpe's his, his signature is his moustache. Hey, Tom's an amazing actor. He could pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> cool.
0: So, um, you know, back to the documentary, just one other thing I guess I wanted to say was that, uh, that the, 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 it was uh, curious that the filmmaker was a chap called Brett Sullivan, and i just looking him up, and he, he's a guy that's kind of, he's an Australian who's, who's lived in London for a long time. And uh, he's made, um, just looking at his filmography, he's made a real niche out of turning stage productions, West End stage productions, Mm -hmm. into films, Mm -hmm. like Billy Elliot and uh, Miss Saigon. And um, he seems to be the go-to guy. He's also um, directed a lot of music videos and uh, promotional stuff for for, for corporates. Um, But he's also... um, Happens to be the co founder of something called Adstream. Do you know what Adstream is?
1: Was it like SodaStream?
0: No, nothing like that. <laughs> it's the world's leading advertising digital asset management workflow and distribution company. Wow, okay. So that is where the money yeah. Yeah. came from to fund that documentary. It's
1: a very slick production. In,
0: Indeed. Uh, so it's in stark contrast to the other film that you've donated to the library called uh, Wizard Mode. <clears throat> and uh, that. That film's about a chap called Robert Gagno. Robert Gagno he's, yeah, sure. I think he's Canadian. I think he lives in Bank. Yeah. I think he lives in Banco. Is he somebody you've met? Or
1: yeah, I've met him uh, a couple of times. First time I met him was in 2015. I went to the Chicago Expo, mm. and uh, he was there. It was The Game of Thrones had just come out, and they I remember they were unveiling that the Le Game of Thrones at this mm-hmm. big party in this hotel. What's Le? Oh, Limited Edition. Mm. Oh, so it's the Sorry. kind of the, the 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 deluxe price point version of that machine because Stern very cleverly have three price points for I each see. title now. So they were unveiling the limited edition Game of Thrones and all the cameras were out, a crowd of people there and Robert Gagno just blew this machine up, like, you know, in terms of doing everything on it. Yeah. And everyone was amazed. Gobsmacked. And this is this young kid from yeah. So that was a
0: Pinball Wizard Tommy moment. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And but yeah.
1: we're all dancing to the to the DJ at the time. Funnily <laughs> enough, if you go I took a video, the DJ played this beautiful song by um, uh, Gwen Gwen McRae, Rock My Baby or something. And I was so wigging out, I was videoing him at the time. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you go to YouTube and watch Robert Gagno blowing up the Game of Thrones, you can hear that very song in the back of the YouTube video. So at the same time I'm filming filming the DJ, someone's filming Robert Gagno. Oh, okay. And it's on YouTube. Oh, right. And I can do this little match-up moment in my head. George George McRae, George McRae, rock your baby, rock, rock your baby, yeah, yes. yeah, wonderful. He was yes. playing forty fives, indeed. Um, so nice. Robert Yagna, and Then I met Robert Yagno again at the Toronto Worlds last year, um, and he was he was competing. He doesn't seem to go to the European ones that I've noticed, but okay. he definitely goes to all the American Canadian right big, big competitions. Yeah, and I said to his dad because he always travels with his dad Maurizio. Maurizio, okay, um, they're a lovely lovely pair of guys. And I said to Maurizio, "Would you come to New Zealand for a competition? Yeah, mm. we, you should come and visit us one day." And he says, "Is there any prize money?" And I said, "Oh <laughs> no, we don't usually play for prize money in New Zealand. Mm. We're, we're too poor, or we <laughs> just don't. We don't charge the entry fees. Mm. Oh no, no we, we only come if this prize money." Yeah, uh, well, they've yeah, got to pay for the trip. I
0: in think. a way, you can't blame him True. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's got yeah. to pay for his flight. He, he does. He yeah. does. But just to, to to clue a little more <clears throat> in about. Wizard mode. So, so Robert Gaguinow is uh, an, an autistic, uh, yeah. uh, suffers from autism, mm. um, and he um, and and the film is very much an intimate portrait of uh, of his uh, uh, you know uh, endeavors in um, championship pinball, but also yeah. the support that yeah. is uh, lent to him by Maurizio and and his wife.
1: It's a very personal story. It is. So it's really mm.
0: about kind of. Um, yeah de- dealing with autism in the family and the parents uh their their way to kind of um bring out the you know you know the the qualities mm. the, in, in that uh yeah. in that character in that um in that person so um it's a very um so in a way he's it's, the film is two thousand and sixteen so it's uh, actually seven years after special when lit but in a mm. way he could have been a character plucked out of the other movie mm. and then given his own yeah, kind of yeah. intimate uh, portrait. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very different film, much more it doesn't have the budget of the of no. the other one. No. Um, and but it's more recent more, though too. Isn't it? it is wizard more recent. It just yeah. came out a yeah, yeah, couple yeah. of years yeah. ago.
1: Yeah. Uh when it, it, it was did. what, 20, 2006? six? Two thousand nine.
0: Two thousand nine. Yeah. 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 But I did think um, that it had probably had dated quite well. Like you oh, couldn't yes. really tell it was two thousand and nine. It, it, it no. could have been made yeah. in the last couple of yeah. years. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um but that that um, no that was interesting and, and also wizard mode Reminded me of a film called Life Animated, which is a film I really like about an right. um, autistic uh, younger person right. um, who grew up um, and um, was was mute for many years mm. and was brought out of his shell through his love of Disney films. Mm. So he became obsessed with Disney in the same way that Robert Gagno is is obsessed with pinball, right. and and a way to kind of um, help. Uh, you know, make touch with the world, if you like. Yeah, um, that's great. Um, so, um, and another sort of portrait of parental support. Yes. And and, um, and the things that parents can do to kind yeah, of make yeah. the best of the situation.
1: Yeah. And celebrate the life. Yeah. Um, so. It's a very touching say, film, I think. Yeah. And, and it is really intimate. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's cool.
0: Yeah, so thank you for those. That's my, my pleasure. Mm. Yeah.
1: No, I will enjoy uh,
0: recommending them to people. So, um there was a couple of others actually just we mentioned king of kong which was of course the um the king of um uh gaming movies uh, but there was a an obscurity from 1979 called
1: tilt that's uh, with
0: Brooke shields yes with Brooke shields which i think you can with, i saw
1: it. i did see yeah. it yeah. My friend just found that on VHS, I think.
0: Yeah, you can get it on DVD from right. some kind of right. dodgy duplication, right. retro It's outfit. dreadfully boring. I'm sure it is. But, it's dreadfully boring. But hey, it would be nice to have <laughs> yeah. it on the shelf. Yeah, it would be good. You, <laughs> sh- you
1: need more pinball movies, Andrew.
0: <laughs> well, there's another one as well called Tilt.
1: Uh, Tilt is, yeah, well, so I had then, that. And yeah. I was, that was one, the first one I was going to give you. And then I went looking for it and I went, hang on, hang mm. on, I've lent this out. And then yeah. I thought, who did I lend it to? And I was drawing blanks. Right. So, but I have a, I have a weird memory of someone standing in my hallway after a pinball comp I had at my house. Yeah. And I said to them, Have you seen the movie Tilt? And they went, No. And I said, Here, yeah, take it away and, and watch it. Yeah. And I can't remember who that person was because I have like thirty people come around for pinball. Yes. And I who know I don't know who, and I've asked everyone right. I can think of. But anyway, never gone. lend any. I hope they're enjoying
0: it. Never lend anybody <laughs> your special DVDs <laughs> or uh, That's records. That's okay. Um, I could always buy another one. I, you, suppose. You, I suppose. But that one is um, 2006, well, the, and that's about the demise of Williams. Yes. Is that right? Yes.
1: It's, and I, yeah, I remember there was a guy called Greg Malatek. I think he made it, and uh, he he kind of chronicled... Because williams Valley were the rulers in the 90s. They made the best games, mm. and they seemed to be fairly um, infallible, you know, mm. and... Um, but pinball being pinball, it can be a fickle market, and towards the end of the 90s, as the bubble was bursting hmm. and they were, couldn't sell games, um, the shareholders ultimately decided to um, uh, make to invest in slot machines, casino right. machines. Yeah, sure. And the the, the end result was that they shut down pinball. Right. Um, but Tilt kind of chronicles that struggle to try and develop a product which was going to reinvigorate pinball. Right. Um, okay. But the the inference is is that the shareholders had already made their decision, right? And they were going to they were planning to shut pinball down, which right. they did, right? And they invested into this horrible okay. casino market. Yeah. All right. Mm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, now, um, the nineties was the glory day of pinball. There was they call it the golden mm-hmm. age. Right. Pinball, yeah. Right. For for modern pinball. Sure. Yeah. So that. Uh,
0: <clears throat> You were talking about uh, like the machine that we've got here, going yeah. back to Close Encounters, yeah. is the s- solid-state digital version. But you were saying that there was there was um, electromechanical machines it's that pre, was pre Yeah, So that was the other flashpoint that, yeah, uh, that I yeah, yeah. Uh, was wanted to mention. Sure, It uh, was when the, there was that transition. Yeah, the and, microprocessor, and it, that became right. the modern pinball, and that became the kind of the, as you say, uh, the, the the boom in the 90s as a result of that technology. F-
1: the '90s was, the, the, the 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 games were getting quite complex and quite deep with their rules, mm. and they were there was a lot of licensing, heaps of licensing. Adam's Family, mm. um, Twilight Zone, mm. Star Trek, you yeah, know, sure, Judge Dredd, heaps of licensing, right. and the games were getting more and more complex, more elaborate. Yeah, um, I was buying them new, and mm-hmm. um, <coughs> operating in the '90s. So from '93, when I put my first one in Mel's Diner, I I, I went and I um, my friend Matt and I. Um, got Midnight Espresso, and then we were doing Midnight Espresso, and then we got a few more locations. So I was kind mm. of on a bit of a roll. Then Matt was sort of segregated into cafes, and I went, right. kept going with pinball. Right, sure. And so yeah, it was—it was a pretty, yeah. pretty buoyant kind of time, yeah. and then. Were you ever fully professional doing the pinball? I I always did it as a um, kind of cost neutral exercise. I tried to make it a cost neutral exercise. Right. But um, generally, pinball being quite an expensive hobby, um, Mm. you end up buying more in parts and purchases and restorations and so on. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I I did, did, um, you know, like I've always tried to kind of follow my dreams, you know. Yeah. And pinball has been in my blood since I was a kid. Yep, yep, yep. And I, I kinda think, well, why not?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that um, so just, just that timeline again. So the the there was the boom in the late seventies through to the eight and then the, the video games, the space. The video games nearly Pac-Man's, killed pinball in the early eighties. That's 80s. right. And then it uh, and so the the, the bounce back People, was in the the 90s with the technology and the licensing yes. those those Adam's people kind families. of came back
1: to pinball in the early 90s yeah sure in fact my friend i found an old vhs tape that my friend did in 1998 he was interviewed yep. by on tv it was wellington's yes. tv channel yes. and they did like a 10 minute piece on him and talking about pinball because he was the pinball guy and he was playing everything around town. And he actually had a little website and he catalogued every machine on every location in Wellington. There were 160 wow. pinball locations in 1998 wow. or 97. Yeah, That's massive. It 160 is. different pinball locations. Yep. And how many games in each location? Probably three or four or five. Mm. So that gives you an idea of how big pinball was mm. back then.
0: It would be nice to get hold of that um, on TV clip. Oh, and, I can I can publish it, it, it on YouTube or I can get it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah.
1: I was looking for something else and I just picked up this videotape. It says size pinball tape, and I right. jammed it in the machine, and there it was. Right, right.
0: <laughs> cool. So there was um, so so. I guess the thing about that boom was that that uh, people had um, gotten bored with video games uh, mm. because they you know the PC was was became huge, and you sure. could play games at home. Sure. So you could play Space Invaders and whatnot. Sure. at home but you couldn't play pinball at home so that would have you been you
1: can you can't replicate pinball mm. um, on any other platform yeah people have tried to do it with digital pinball uh, virtual pinball but mm. it never feels quite the same the only mm. i think the only benefit of virtual pinball is that you could download tables that you can't get access to to mm. learn rules and com- yeah. for competition play yeah but that but, but yeah, there's no replacement for physical mm. mechanical pinball mm-hmm. i don't think mm-hmm. yeah um,
0: I was also going to ask you about, uh, so, so what, what, what is your day job at the moment? Um, Well, I work in,
1: I I work in mental health now. Yeah, that's right. And, um, I, well, I was doing photography for a long time, um, I sort of, that kind of job ended and then I started Mm. looking for something else to do. Mm. Um, yeah. How's, How's that? Uh, yeah, well, I tried freelancing for a bit and, um never really got off the ground I thought yep. I had to build a website which I tried, tried to do yeah and uh, the pinball was always a kind of a little um, active hobby, but it actually it suffered in the in the in the early 2000s it was kind of dragging down the, 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 that's another low point for pinball okay. because um the 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 surviving manufacturer stern nearly went into went bust in two thousand and seven okay and they had some outside investment yep. and it was about that time that um I just decided to stop operating and get right. out of pinball because then I, th- and I okay. just I didn't see there was much money in it anymore.
0: Okay,
1: and just sell off any machine, sold off heaps. Okay. Um, I had a bit of a life. I had a bit of a life changing moment, actually. Well, not moment, but a um, couple of years. Um, I was I was studying web design, trying to get my you know website built, and um, yeah, yeah, my my world just turned upside down, and that kind of led me into a mental health sort of. I oh, okay. uh, Work years mm-hmm. down the track, sure. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So what what are you doing in, in the mental health sector? I'm are a, you, are I'm you a sort of working one to one with
1: people. What's, what's well, I'm that? a navigator, and um, that's um, uh, working for an NGO, which is a sort of a support worker. Mm-hmm. So I, I work alongside people who have come through a hospital system uh, with mental distress, um, mm-hmm. or maybe their long term um, people who have long term mental distress and I, I, I yeah I, def- I describe it like a life coach and yeah. I try and get them back on track and get them sort of looking at um, a positive future um, yeah. that I can and was that satisfying yeah. I love it I absolutely love the work that I'm doing um, yeah, getting back to the pinball thing um, in 2007 I was operating and uh, my father my father passed away um, quite suddenly and uh, well there was a little bit of a Time in hospital, um, but he was elderly. But mm-hmm. I was having some difficulties with my brother at the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I had a, a a terrible time of sleeplessness that lasted for a week. Right, and I, I I did not know quite why, but I could not sleep for for one one whole week. And mm-hmm. uh, I actually um, looked up a while ago how long a person can go. For right. without sleep and the longest period that someone has been without sleep for is 11 days consecutive wow. days oh my god well i went for seven yeah and um hmm. yeah and and it kind of hmm. i was hallucinating <clears throat> i um was terribly uh i was yeah it was a terrible time and it culminated with me going to, into psych hospital into a psych hospital wellington psych hospital yeah and um and then I, it was completely disruptive to, to and my dad to die, and, and I was sort of coping with that. Mm. And and then I came out, and I was trying to get my life back on track. Pinball was still there, um, but then I had further psychotic episodes uh, over the next year. And that sort of, um, yeah, put me into a bit of a depression for a, few, mm. a couple of years, two okay. and a half years, I yep. think. Yeah, and so that kind of ultimately, I kind of got out of pinball. I couldn't couldn't cope with it anymore at that time, and I had a big closing down sale kind of right. thing, and I sold off about twenty five machines. Okay, all at pretty low prices because the market was fairly flat yeah. at that time. Yeah, and um, and just got out of pinball, mm. and I, and mm. I thought, oh, well, I'm I'm done with it. Right, but in a commercial sense, hmm. and um, and then I uh, started trying to explore what was going on for me yeah. and I was quite depressed and I was quite mm-hmm. anxious mm-hmm. and then were I started getting, were you getting good help out, out of this
0: you know phase you were going through were you were you getting support oh well I had a it? psychiatrist yeah. and I had a mental health I mean yeah. a mental
1: health nurse yeah and I was on a depot antipsychotic, psychotic mm. and I met this girl a woman online and I met her she was living in Nelson but she was Canadian and then she, um, moved back to, um, Seattle and I said, oh, like, I'm not doing anything here. And we had a, we really, um, you know, we're quite, quite into each other. Mm. And I flew to Seattle and I went to my psychiatrist and said, hey, you got to take me off this blimmin' injection because I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to America. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so she goes, well, we have to give you oral tablets. Right. Because they used to jab me in the bum every two weeks. Right. Antipsychotics, hmm And, um. But I was still a very anxious and a very kind of a fragile person mm. at that time, given the two years or so mm-hmm. of, of all the, the, the stuff mm-hmm. I was dealing with. And you were going to see her to meet
0: a woman you'd never
1: met? I'd met her, and we had five mm. days, okay. actually, here in New Zealand together, mm-hmm. and, but they were very magical days. Yeah. And um, I said, well, that's enough for me. I'll, I'll just get on a plane. Right. And so I went for her 40th birthday, actually. Right. And we had a great, we had, it was good. We, I stayed there for a few months. We travelled around a little bit of the northern uh, Washington... Did she like pinball? Uh, she did. She did <laughs> like pinball. She was she was quite into it. She took me to sh- the Sparkle Shorties, right, which is in Seattle, which is yeah. pinball themed. Cool. And, um, but then, you know, things sort of it had to come to an end at some point. And I remember looking on Trade Me, there was a job um, going in mental health. And I came back and I flew back. I went to the interview on the day that I arrived and I got the job. Um, and I've been there for 10 years now. Right. And... Um, I'm also very involved, um, having kind of gone through um, some mental health struggles. I've, I'm, I'm very much of a believer on the peer support movement sure. because that really got me through a lot of um, bad times. Mm. So I'm involved with a um, a group called Realities, okay. and we meet twice a month in uh, Wellington, mm. and it's been running three years. And although we kind of um, do draw from the mental health sector we don't actually describe ourselves, ourselves as a mental health support group mm. because we we really we 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 more about the experience that people have mm. than the symptoms they have right. you know mm-hmm. and and it's in a, it's a very safe place for mm. people to explore what they might be going through Sure, yeah because i've had i've had hallucinations of all five senses i've you know, it's, it's been terrifying mm. it's been terrifying of mm. mm-hmm. um yeah. and and it well, took a, it took a while to heal, and mm. um, but you
0: mm. know, here I am. Well, I've, I haven't had first hand experience of that, but I have yeah. had second hand. So right. I, I have, as right. a parent, um, right. had to deal with right. pretty severe episodes yeah. as well. So I hear you. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. know I've been there at the coalface face, and yeah. uh, and completely, um, you know, um, understand and applaud you know you being able to um, you know take those experiences and 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 then be able to. Uh, well, support other people that are going through similar things? It,
1: it, well, mm. it, it, there was there was a period of healing that, that had to happen. But it, like I say, in hindsight, it was quite a life-defining moment, period
0: mm. because
1: it flipped my world upside down. Everything that was important to me before was not important anymore. That's why Pinball was not important to me anymore. Mm. That's why I got rid of a whole lot of them. I, I mm. sort of kept the n- nostalgia games for me. Mm. Um, but But, you know, gradually... I kind of got back on the horse and and mm. um, <clears throat> I, I got back into it in 2013. I, I um, My friend was uh, rebranding the Bar Edward into Moon. Oh, yeah. And he said, Hey, you want to put a couple of games in here? And that was my first little window mm. back into operating pinball again. Mm. And I, I feel really empowered now. In fact, um, I feel that um, I have learned a lot about myself through those difficult times. And mm. I feel very much in the flow and very, very, very grateful. Mm-hmm. That I'm still here and I'm still doing what I love to do and I have the opportunities to do what I love to do, but I do everything with gratitude now. Mm. And maybe I took for granted things. There were no guarantees in life, and and perhaps before I was taking things for granted mm. a little bit too much, mm. and it's given me a, a healthier respect for life. And um, and I follow. I'm still following my dreams, probably more so than I was mm-hmm. before. Mm. You know. Yep. Absolutely. Which is which is. Oh, I don't know. It's... Oh,
0: that's that's really lovely of you to share that, Simon. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, and, yeah. I mean,
1: and I'm a. See, I've, mental health used to scare me. It doesn't mm. scare me anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? But I think a lot of people who don't understand mental health are a little bit scared of it. Yeah. The people I work alongside, I am so I feel so grateful that I can I can walk the walk with them, and I, I see myself as an equal um, yep. to 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 the people I support. Mm. Um, but the realities is really important. Um, mm. I think the peer support seems to have done more for me than any psychiatrist did mm. or mm. any medication did. Mm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Mm. Yeah.
0: Um, I guess uh, just just another thing I just wanted to bring up uh, was just about your, your love of music and, and collecting records and and uh, one of the other connections I you know had with you incidentally was just bumping into you at RPM uh, where you had uh, had a DJ set so right. RPM being a record store right. on Cuba Street right. for those that don't know uh, the um, so you're, you've had an abiding love of uh, music and record collecting and you've got a particular interest in. Black music, in particular. I've been
1: collecting black music since the '90s. I always liked sort of funk, and you know, mm. I did. I did have a quite a big reggae sort of period, just enjoying reggae mm. as well. But um, I, I definitely like the more soul and funk mm. music, and then that kind of segued into disco. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a, a, a guilty fondness for disco, but <laughs> but good disco, underground yeah. disco. It got very commodified, <clears throat> and that's kind of what gave disco a bad name. Was mm-hmm. the the exploitation by record companies hmm. to turn everything into disco. Yeah. Um but but I I I did the Rough Peel radio show for a couple of years and it was actually when I was in Toronto last year on The Worlds that I got the email from Paul to say we're shutting the radio station down and I was a bit bummed out because I really did enjoy it. Hmm. Um so I've take, taken it home now. I do it from home, but I treat it like a radio show even though it's not broadcast hmm. and I record them as pods. Sure. And but I like the fact that I'm doing my little voice breaks and I'm kind of curating the show but it's not like a playlist. Yeah. So that yeah, that's a really special mm. It's another creative outlet that I really I'm really enjoying. Yep. Um lately I've been kind of theming them around a movie or a, or a concept. Mm. And,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. I recently caught up with with, with your latest one, uh, which was uh, inspired by the movie Gummo. So a lot of sort of swamp yeah. country, yeah. as you described yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so that's um, so that's on Mixcloud. Um, under yeah, Mixcloud. Well, it's
1: under the. De- the I hmm. use the moniker the Delorean because yeah. I like I tr- kind of treat it like a time traveling show. Yeah. Where I I I like to tell people the year that the song is from. I think it gives it a context.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I enjoyed your 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 patter yeah. in between the songs, oh, thanks, thanks. Um, and your choice of songs. John uh, Johnny. Johnny Cash, what's that? Uh, the, um, them their beans. Look, well, at, the,
1: look at them beans from nineteen seventy five. Yeah, that was. Do you think was, it was a comedy? Do you think it was a comedy track? Like it was a novelty track.
0: Well, right? it is a novelty track as you described it, but it's also very poignant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So because I, I, I listened to it twice, and the second time I really got it. Right. Um,
1: uh, and I, I love the it's, track. It's delivered. Someone said it's to delivered me, comically. Someone said to me it was delivered quite violently. Yes, you know, and and I thought I don't get the violence there, but well, but and, it's
0: and, definitely passionate. Passionately, <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, thank you for your very passionate discussion. I've really enjoyed. Hey, look, uh, Andrew, going It's been a to, pleasure. Thank you. You know, uh, you know, all over the place with uh, with pinball and to and um, and uh, you know talking about mental health and um, yeah and music and we could. You know can we can uh keep keep going after this tape stops sure. rolling if you sure. like sounds good um but uh so i'd yeah really like to thank you for coming up here and uh, and uh, you know it been it's been really fascinating well i'm really um, I'm really
1: hopeful for pinball, and I think we're on a we're at the cusp of another little a little flurry of interest in pinball. I don't oh. see the young kids maybe embracing it so much, but I've got a few out. Um, the the most I've got out at the moment is out in Upper Hutt. Mm -hmm. It's kind of ironic, because I grew up in Upper Hutt and I used to catch the train into Wellington to play the best games. Mm. Now I'm living in Wellington, I'm having to go to Upper Hutt because they seem to be having the best games um, that I've put out there Mm. recently. And I've got a little comp there tomorrow that we're running, um, which will be fun. Um, For me, you know, pinball is a funny thing because there's a lot of collectors around New Zealand and it seems to be a bit of a hot ticket at the moment for collecting pinball. Mm. But not everyone can have a pinball in their house mm. for whatever reason. They don't want to maintain them, they don't. They can't afford them, or they haven't got the space. So for me, I, I love the community aspect of pinball, and I like to be able to put them in public places if I can and share it with those who who want to just mm. go and experience a game without having to buy the machine, yeah. and for a few bucks. It's, and when yeah. you get good enough, mm. that, that one, two, or three dollars can actually win you replays and you can Mm. stay on the table for half an hour.
0: Sure. And don't forget the incidental social interaction that you get as a bonus (laughs) by getting off your chuff from behind your computer screen and getting out there.
1: They call us pinball athletes um, when the news crews come and take footage of these... um, middle aged overweight men yeah. playing pimple they call us athletes
0: nice well I have uh, tagged <laughs> it with sports documentary cool. awesome. films. Yeah. Hey, great to see you thank you again Simon. thanks Andrew it's been, it's been a joy thank nice you. one thank you You enjoyed that, and thanks to my RO colleague Sven De Strom who recorded that episode and also the last couple as well. So, as you heard, Simon there adopting the documentary's special when lit and wizard mode for our library. I'd also like to mention a relevant new acquisition that has been adopted by Lindsay and David Morris, releasing very shortly. It is like wizard mode in that it deals with the subject of autism. It's a a film called Keep the Change, and it's an utterly beguiling romantic comedy set in New York that casts two autistic actors in the lead roles, and it was one of my favourite films of the New Zealand Film Festival 2018. If you'd like to adopt a movie for yourself or someone you know, then please get in touch directly or through our website. It costs 35 New Zealand dollars, or you can even adopt a movie through Patreon. Uh, That's patreon.com slash rovideo where you can adopt a movie on a month-by-month basis. Through Patreon we have a range of ways and levels you can support us whether you are an active or infrequent user of our services. One option through Patreon is to become a home delivery friend for US $14.50 per month. You receive two guaranteed quality mystery movies from the RO video recommended playlist replete with tasting notes. If you receive a title that you've already seen or you didn't fancy it much, you receive a bonus title the following month. Finally, I invite you to give some feedback about what you've heard in whichever way you'd like to communicate and let us know if you or someone you know would make an interesting guest for the podcast. Until next time, Kakite kite anō.